2: But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.
3: Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is brought to you by, well, you. If you want to learn how to support our show, go to CollinsLastStand.com. Greetings and salutations. Welcome back to Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast. This is episode 88, like the 311 song Days of 88. My name is Colin Moriarty. I'm joined as always by my co-host, Chris Sickly. Raygun, Chris, you're not feeling well. You're, your allergies are acting up.
4: Yeah, as yeah. As it were. It's real cool. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's my favorite thing. I like Sounds walked great. outside. I was totally fine for ages because I spend so much of my life secluded. And not doing anything. But then yesterday, a bunch of people came over and then we went outside to smoke a little bit. And I noticed, ah, there's pollen on the cars. I haven't seen that in a long time. And then I was just dead by the end of the night. I see. I I forgot what allergies felt like. You shouldn't have been. It's a it's God
3: season pays. You shouldn't have been smoking the devil's reefer. Yeah, it's true. The devil's reefer. Goddamn. Yeah, it's like, I don't know what's going on in California. I guess it's palm pollen, right? That's like a big culprit. Yeah. Out there, I think. And some other uh, chicanery that's going on in nature. Yeah. That's why you don't go outside. This is hell. Yeah. You just don't go outside. I don't go outside either. It's better that way. That way I don't get the coronavirus. I don't. You know, I don't accidentally get AIDS or whatever you might get by going outside. (laughs) Uh, For everyone out there, this is uh, Sacred Symbols, of PlayStation podcast, our weekly PlayStation podcast. You can get it uh, three days early. I was about to say week, but that's not true. Three days early, ad free on Patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand. We appreciate your support. February 2020 was another record setting month on Patreon. So we're very grateful for your support there, whether you can support us just at the one dollar level or anything higher a month. And of course, the one dollar level gets you the exclusive Patreon only weekly podcast Sacred Symbols Plus. It's about 25 cents a week to get access to it. So I would say that's like, you know, a cup of coffee or something was really nothing. I mean, you basically that's nothing. Yeah. Literally no money. Oh, it's not literally no money. It's something. But it's figuratively no money uh, for you to come join us over there on Patreon. Of course, you can go higher up the five dollar a month tier is our most popular tier that gives you early ad free access, sacred symbols, plus the ability to submit your questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas, et cetera to our show. As I warned you guys last week, our merch store is going and has gone offline temporarily as we figure out what to do next. We kind of got last minute word that that was happening from our reps. So, stand by on that. Typically, you can go to com to get merch, but that's just not going to work for you right now. Uh, and Sacred Symbols Plus, last week's episode was mailbag. We go into the mailbag every once in a while. This week, I'm going to do a standalone episode all about the economics of games, game pricing, hardware pricing, historical pricing, inflation, all of that. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be fun. Chris, people wanted me to do or us to do an episode about Xbox Series X. Right. Because they made all those announcements about the flops and whatever. But I just don't feel like there's really that much to say about it. Do you agree or do you have anything to say? I mean, it just doesn't seem like they actually said a great deal. I'm waiting for them to do like more of a media tour before we get into it.
4: Yeah, for sure. I think there's a lot to say, but not not a whole not an hour's worth of anything to say. I think you pretty much clear up everything that's in that write up in about 20 minutes, which is just not really all that worth a standalone episode.
3: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it seems like a very powerful machine. I'm interested to hear more about it and interested to hear more about their various initiatives. We're going to talk about one of them in the mailbag at the end of the show, one of the initiatives that a lot of people are talking about. But nonetheless, we appreciate your support over on Sacred Symbols Plus and on Patreon. I'll keep reminding you, Twinbreaker, a Sacred Symbols adventure. Our video game is coming to PlayStation Network, PS4 and Vita on March 24th. Cross-buy, buy one, get the other, $9.99 or your local equivalent, two trophy lists with platinum trophies. The trophy list is now available on Patreon, so I went and posted that. It's free for everybody. You can just go Google it or go on Twitter where I linked out to it. And uh, we have something to say about pre-orders as well for the, the physical versions. Now, originally, as you guys all know, and then you complained endlessly about, we were going to have 1,000 PS4 copies and 1,000 Vita copies physical through our publisher, East Asia Soft. But they saw such an overwhelming response to this, and we did too, that we've basically been untethered, unmoored from any sort of limit. And so by the time this actually goes on free feeds, this will happen March 5th, this will go on free feeds March 6th, a pre-order will begin on playasia.com, play-asia.com. For $34.99, you can get a copy on PS4 or a copy on Vita. I think you can only buy two copies per customer, but it's unlimited. So in the two-week pre-order window that begins March 6th, if you just pre-order the game and pay for it, then you will get a copy. It doesn't matter how many are ordered. So I made that happen for all of you guys. I, I only, I'm the only one that did it. No <laughs> one else had anything to do with it.
4: That's pretty crazy.
3: Yeah, it's cool. Did you see the images uh, that were going that I, I sent out today? The I did. The image of uh, what do you think? What do you think of the special edition and all of this?
4: They're really cool. It looks it looks wild. That, that's yeah. uh, it's it's surreal to see that looking so professional.
3: I know it's it almost doesn't make any sense. Yeah. when you think about it. But we're excited about it. I think the game's great. It's out of our hands. It's in certification right now. We're, I think, going to pass certification. I don't think there's going to be any problems. And we did get a few things kicked back to us in the process. So we did have to fix a couple of things. But yeah, uh, I'm looking forward to getting it out there into the world. The trophy list, I'm actually quite happy with. I'm glad that people understood what I was trying to do with it. So uh, speaking of which, speaking of which Cameron Samen wrote into us, said, hey, Colin, what was the process like for submitting the trophy list? For Twin Breaker, are there rules you have to follow? And does SIE give you any guidance on how to structure it? Did they suggest a platinum or do you have to specifically ask for it? So in the SDK for PlayStation 4 and PlayStation Vita, there's a module for trophies. And as I think a lot of people out there know, Chris, trophies are worth a certain amount of points in the back end, like 15 points, I think, for a bronze, 30 points for a silver. And I think it's 90 or something like that for a gold, whatever it is. So you basically have to do the math. And the module will do the math for you, but I just did it on paper about you can have like just a whole list of bronzes or you can have like seven or eight gold trophies or you can have some mixture of that. And that's basically how it works. So you try to meet up a certain number. I think it's like twelve hundred points. And so that's what we did. And I think our list has 37 bronze, something like six silver, three gold and one platinum. So uh, it's really nothing too impressive, but it was fun and there's no guidance on it. As you can see over on PSN profiles, the, the lists are completely insane. They run the gamut of 100 hours and 30 minutes and they all give you the same amount of points. So no, there's no guidance. I don't think they give a flying fuck what you do as long as you hit that 1200 point or whatever sum total for your experience points for your trophies yeah so we're really excited about it again play asia.com i think it's on their front page right now you can also go to eastasiasoft.com for the links or just go to our various social media platforms now it's important to note two things the physical versions of the game will not ship till may and they do not have digital redemption codes in them so if you want to play the game when it comes out you're going to need to buy it digitally if yeah. you want to be patient and wait that's fine you can do whatever you want do what makes you happy and uh, let's see, we hear we also have uh, Jefferson Wentworth wrote into us also about the trophy for a twin breaker, the platinum trophy he says, hello, gentlemen, since the trophy list is out for the, na- the narrowly anticipated twin breaker. That's right. That's a good way of putting it. <laughs> I would love to hear your prediction for the platinum rarity after the first week, first month and first year, providing we are all alive come March 24th with that pesky coronavirus putting a spanner in the works. I don't know. Uh, it should take like five or seven hours, I think, for a normal person to get it. So I'm thinking the platinum rarity will probably, probably be like one in three, ultimately. But we'll see what happens. I want mm-hmm. it to be accessible and fun. Yeah. But I don't want you to just like stumble into it.
4: You got to play New Game Plus. You got to find all the collectibles. Are there any platinum trophies that have like a, like a super high, like a, like a 90% rarity?
3: Oh, yeah. There's plenty of them out there that have that. Like all of the... Here, hold on a second. I'm going to go I'm typing in now. OK, I'm going to go to PSN profiles and then we'll go to games. Okay. And then we'll see here like uh, Vasilis on PS4 has an 83 percent. This Japanese game that I can't read has 96.8 percent. That's insane. Night and plus 90.68 percent. Now, these are PSN profile numbers, so they could be a little lower on the. Uh, on the PlayStation Store itself, because you have to kind of opt into this. Grizzland 94.5. Bricks head to head eighty seven point five. So yeah, because That's it's a crazy. selling point to make yeah. your games have easy trophies. Yeah, uh, that doesn't sound cool. No, I don't think so either. I think it's lame. So and I, again, I actually formatted my Vita again because I didn't want to sync trophies for a game I was playing. I just, I didn't even want them, so I just <laughs> I, had, I had to format my Vita in order to get rid of them.
4: Oh my god.
3: <laughs> yeah, I just would rather not have them on my list at all. Yeah, no, fair. Now, uh quick PSA for all of you nerds out there. The Final Fantasy VII Remake Demo is out right now on PlayStation 4. It's free, obviously. You can go download it. I think it's like the first hour of the game or so. Uh, I'm not going to play it because I just want to wait until it's out. It's not that far away now. Right. But if you guys want that, it is there. Are you going to check this out, Chris, the uh, Remake Demo for Final Fantasy
4: VII? Yeah. I mean, I-, I don't see why not, honestly. Like, I'm definitely looking forward to it, but uh, I need something to hold me over until... Doom. This is this is March, so this is the this is the month for me. This is yeah. the month where things are uh, things are real clear. I have clear goals and I have clear things that I am looking forward to. Even Destiny has like a thing they're doing this month, and it's like okay, cool. I just gotta just gotta wait. And this is a good, is yeah. a nice little surprise. Yeah, it's gonna be good, man. Yeah, uh, Doom's next week, I think, and then
3: uh, I think Neo comes out this month too. No, Doom is the twentieth. Oh, the 20th. I'm sorry. So it's yeah. the 20th. It's oh. about three weeks. So I got time. Oh, it's a Friday. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, So, yeah, you have to wait a little bit longer. My apologies. And so, uh, yeah, there's a few things out this month. Uh, this is when the games begin for all of us. Uh, pardon the pun. So, yeah, it's very, very good. G- good time for all of us. So, yeah, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Now, I got to say that there's, um, I don't know if it comes from the demo or if it's like from the previews, the hands-on previews or packs or whatever, but there's a specific Final Fantasy VII remake story that's being written on a lot of media outlets that kind of spoils something in the game about one of the characters that I'm kind of an I don't even want to say any more than that because I don't want to spoil it for anyone else but I'm kind of annoyed by it like how flippantly people are writing about this specific thing like just in the headlines yeah I'm like that kind of sucks I didn't want to know that so stupid assholes are are ruining the game although I've played it obviously before so it's not like they're ruining the story I guess but it was still a little bit
4: it is technically a new game you know
3: For a lot of people, it's going to be a new game. I wish that it wasn't a new game for a lot of people. I really do believe that people should play the original first, but I don't think a lot of people are going to listen to me on that account (laughs) because it's so ugly people don't want to go back and play it. It is. It is pretty hideous. Yeah. All right. Let's get into a few of these things before we get into what we're playing. Kendrick Luchenbach wrote into us and said, hey, Colin and Chris, he's got a correction. He says last week you guys mentioned the vitality sensor for the Wii. That functionality actually made its way into the switch via the IR sensor on the right. Joy-Con. I fucking hate that word, by the way.
4: The it's Joy-Con? The Joy-Con.
3: What does it mean? Like the... Is
4: it like a is it like a combination of two fuller words? Joy controller is what I always I, I assumed. I don't know. I'll, I just I'll don't it
3: Why can't you just call it something normal? Yeah. You know? uh, but he said you hold your thumb up to the sensor in certain games like Ring Fit Adventure and Sonic and Mario Olympic Games uses the sensor to measure fitness. The terrifying aspect is Nintendo probably has millions of people's heart rate data, yet their account system is so pedestrian. They probably have no way to track it like Apple or Google. Thanks for making every day great. Happy leap year. it was leap year. It was February 29th, not too long ago. Yeah. Uh, So thank you for your correction, Kendrick. We were talking about the Wii Vitality Sensor that was canceled, but I guess it did make its way into the Switch. This Ring Fit Adventure game, I don't even really know what it is, but I, I hear it's pretty popular. not really sure what it is, though.
4: I remember seeing like like small, quick videos on Twitter about it. Like, people just, like, looking looking like damn fools, holding this weird yeah. belt with Joy-Cons <sighs> strapped in it.
3: The Twitch has ruined everything, because people like looking like fools now, just to <laughs> get viewers, and I think the TikTok is the same way yeah. that the children are using out there. Can't take it. Yeah. Bobby, it's getting, it's oh, did you look up what you were looking up? You were looking up something, weren't you? Yeah, Joy-Con? but then
4: I, I I, I was trying to find the, the meaning of Joy-Con, and then I clicked on an article, and then it immediately said... Uh, that I had to subscribe to the website to uh, read what the definition was. So I was like, "Ah,
3: yeah, no, yeah, it's not important. It really isn't. Bobby Burke wrote in and said, CNC is the Kool-Aid man, the jar or the liquid? Please help. This is actually a pretty interesting question. Is the cool man is the Kool-Aid man, the jar or the liquid? I I, haven't really thought about this before.
4: This is this is really strange because I, I actually had this argument last night completely independently of, of reading this question and it's a very specific question which leads me to believe that it's probably going around for some reason it's probably like a viral viral meme of some kind right. i don't know okay i i would imagine that he's the jar and the and the 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 kool-aid is is like his blood right yeah i
3: guess uh, i think the whole thing is him
2: like i don't know if he, you like can he's have both? a
3: cool a kool-aid man without either or like you can't have an empty jar of Kool-Aid man. Right. So he's so
4: is he both or is he both in unison?
3: I think he's both in unison, like our skin, our skeleton surrounds us. And then inside we have all of our innards. Right. We couldn't exist without one or the other. I kind of feel like he's the same way unless you unless Kool-Aid man, of course, uploaded himself to the cloud or something like that. And then he can be a bodiless. Right. You know, Skynet like entity. But I, I, think he's the, I, I think this is a trick question, Bobby, because I think he's the whole thing. The whole kit and caboodle, as it were. Yeah, yeah. I guess I would agree. I don't know. It's a, it's a good question.
4: And uh, I
3: hate to admit it, but it is a good question.
4: Could he pour himself into a different jar and then, like, assume the form of that jar? Hmm. I don't, I don't I don't I'm not familiar with the, with the Kool-Aid man lore, really. All I know is that he really bursts. He, he, his, his glass is uh, remarkably strong because it breaks it's- through brick.
3: Yeah, it's like tempered Pyrex or something like that. It's really quite interesting. No yeah. doubt. Diamond encrusted Pyrex. Jesus Christ. Yeah, the Kool-Aid man is, uh, he's no joke. He's formidable for sure. He definitely is. That's a good way of putting it. He definitely is formidable. But I like this question. I, I got to admit, it, it, it's given me pause and I really, I don't know the answer to that.
4: For but as egregiously it. commercial as it would be, I would probably play a Super Smash Brothers clone comprised solely of fighters who are mascots that would be fun like mr clean versus the kool-aid man versus the honeycomb cravy cravings little 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 goblin yeah that would be nice yeah and get tony the tiger in there Like the yeah. gecko from imagine, geico but you mentioned the licensing nightmare that would be- oh my
3: god it would be an impossibility just a complete impossibility it seemed like sony couldn't even get their own characters into playstation all-stars imagine trying to get someone else's characters in there <laughs> uh Although they did get some weird ones in PlayStation All-Stars, like Big Daddy.
4: Yeah. Was in there. That was really? a
3: little weird. I mean, weird. it was cool, but it was weird. Yeah. Because he's not really a man. Like, P- Big Daddy, there's a lot of Big Daddies. It wasn't like th- there was one Big Daddy. He was also on Xbox 360 first, so it was like a really weird inclusion. And then Yeah, it's true. And then they also had Isaac Clark, which was a weird one from Dead, Dead Space. Dead Space. Uh, he was like a DLC character, I think, wasn't he?
4: I, I don't know. I, I played that know. game for all of 10 minutes. Yeah, I
3: played. I, I gotta say, I definitely overrated that one. No <laughs> doubt about it. It's been what seven, seven years or so. Like, no, even more than that, eight years. I think I could admit that now. Yeah, it's fair. I think there are games that I've totally under or overrated. It's a real kind of just well, crapshoot. Yeah, it, it's,
4: well, the thing is, it's like Smash Brothers is just a fun. It, it is. It's fun. So, like, when you see an alternative to it that was never previously on your console, you're kind of immediately, like, you kind of have an immediate appreciation for it just from the virtue of its existence because it's an idea that so few people copy it would be like it would be like if somebody put out Shadow, like some Shadow of the Colossus clone you know like you couldn't make they they couldn't make a sequel to Shadow of the Colossus obviously because I feel like it would just be too much to live up to but like somebody else could make a clone of it and it would probably be pretty great and I would probably like it for at least a little bit before I admitted in 10 years that it was just not good (laughs)
3: Yeah, no, you're right. I, I think there probably is a Shadow of the Colossus clone out there, and you're going to get some sort of pedantic, nerdy comment now next week that I'm going to read from someone. I know
4: about Prey of the Gods. Chris, Prey of the Gods God. is a clone of Shadow of the Colossus. I can't. So I can't.
3: That's my nerd talk. I don't, I don't know. It's pretty good. That's, it's, it's all right. It's really not great. But Chris, there is something... Nice, someone had to say to you, which is surprising. Oh, John Coulter wrote in and said, "CNC, I don't have a question so much as just a comment. I've always thought Chris has been funny and good in the show, but lately he's been really spot on with his analysis of stories and situations in the industry. It is so satisfying to hear him say a nice, succinct version of what I was already thinking in my head. Often his point makes me think about things in a different way and changes my mind on the spot. It's just a really positive growth that I've noticed, and I wanted to voice it on behalf of the audience. Of course, Colin's insightful as well, but we've all known that for over a decade. That's right, John. No, that's really sweet. I appreciate it. Isn't that that nice? Yeah, that is nice. It only took Chris 88 episodes, but he's uh, (laughs) coming to his own. Yeah. All right, Chris, let's get into what we're playing. You have a little something to say here about Dreams from Media Molecule. Now, a lot of people have been upset that we haven't been talking about this game more. So yeah,
4: talk to us about it. So I've been I've been messing around with it. I actually made a video about it on my main channel. Like uh, I saw it. It was funny ago. I enjoyed it. And it's Dreams is very, very, very cool. It is also a game that I think we're kind of right about, not in the sense that it's In the sense that I really do think that this is going to be a tough sell for most people, just because I feel like most people really won't know how to gauge what it is. I think the idea of it being like an early YouTube for video games is kind of spot on because it really is that early, like 2005 era of YouTube where it's like, it's just a lot of garbage, but a lot of it is like kind of charming and really cool. And you could see like there's a lot of creativity in there and then eventually. I could see really cool things happening in it. I do wonder what the long-term goal is, because I feel like, I feel like if I was a 13-year-old kid who was into game development, which I was, like, I feel like I would have been all over this, because this is really cool. It's It allows you to do so much. The tools are really, really complicated. Like, you can do a lot of, like, mimi stuff, and you can make a lot of straight-up garbage. But you can also make stuff that's really impressive, and... Yeah, a lot of the criticisms are that it, it's basically a lot of people making other games in dreams, which is a valid criticism, I suppose. But it's also it's also worth noting the fact that that's even possible at all. And if you can make other dreams in other games in dreams, that means you can make your own stuff in dreams that are equally as compelling or as equally as complex. It's 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 really cool. It's not there yet because it is a platform more than anything, and it needs time to really grow. I think think it'll blow up on PC. I really do. Uh, But I don't know, man. It it is cool. It is really special. I I applaud Media Molecule for doing this, even though I do kind of wish we just had a game. It is still really, really cool that they managed to do this.
3: Yeah. I mean, I think I've been personally misquoted about this a little bit because a lot of people have been saying to me on social media and whatever, on Patreon... Oh, like you said, it was going to be bad and stuff. I'm like, I never said that. I never said dreams was going to be bad. I, I said the exact opposite. I said that it was probably going to be good or great. But like Chris is saying, I think that it's at least right now, it's got a really limited reach and it's being flooded by. It's not only bad stuff. Like it's, I don't care if people put their bad games on Mario Maker. It has nothing to do with that. It's just or bad stages or whatever. It's just. I don't think it's a compelling point selling point to be like i made halo in dreams i made doom in dreams i made you know minecraft in dreams like this is stupid you know like we already have fucking minecraft
4: and doom and shit like that like we don't need you to make it yeah again i i could see it getting a lot of people into game dev like for sure and that might be the biggest positive thing that comes out of this project is that i definitely know that if i was like a kid when this game came out I would have been all over it because I've always wanted to make games, and I've like I, I, I fuck around with engines, but I'm I'm too stupid to really make a game in Unreal. You know, I, I don't I don't know how to I don't, I don't know what the first step is, but you know, with this thing, it is it is a little intuitive. I'm having a rough time with it just because honestly, I just have a hang up with Media Molecules UI in general. Like I I couldn't really get a hang of the UI in Little Big Planet either with all the stickers and the floating bubbles, and it's like all right, it's I, I, just give me a menu but um it is shockingly intuitive it's pretty cool there's a lot of freedom and I, I I I think it is a special thing and it is super awesome that it's just this weird creative thing that's just on PlayStation is it going to pay off I, uh, I that's really up in the air I'm not really so sure but the one positive thing that I can say about it is that it's it's definitely going to get people into this industry in a way that probably most games won't. I think Media Molecule
3: has already hired people from it, as I have think I think I've been seeing circulating, which is great. And I think that the actual big thing that they should do, and I think that that's it's probably in the cards. And I think Media Molecule has talked a little bit about this, too, is they got to make it so that if there's a good game on there, like a really good, unique game, they got to get it on the PSN and allow people to sell it and enter certification and get a QA and all of that that way there's like some sort of carrot at the end of the stick to have people go in and like really spend time with it as opposed to manipulating it to get trophies, which is a thing that's happening on it or whatever the case might be. Yeah. Did you notice when you were playing the concurrent player count? Because that's something that I've been trying to. I know that that it says it on the bottom on the start screen. And I think launch launch week it was or watch weekend or something. It was like really bad. It was like 5000 or something I'm like, oh, no, you know, there are That's not going to do. That's not
4: going to cut it. (laughs) You know, I didn't notice the I didn't notice exactly what the uh, what the player count was. I I didn't see it. Uh, Maybe it's in the video uh, on the capture that I just didn't. Yeah, I'll go check that. I'll go. I'll go keep a closer eye. Yeah,
3: because that's that's a good way. Or maybe they removed it because that's also a really good way to chronicle its slow death if that's what's going to happen. So, yeah, I like that they're doing that because it encourages people to know like others are signed in and doing stuff, too. It keeps you kind of engaged. But I do think that you're right about there being a market for this on PC. And I think it's pretty obvious if you read between the lines and some of the media that the Media Molecule has been doing around the game that they're going to port it there. And I think one of the guys said something like, you know, I can only say so much or they're going to you know kill me, basically. Was his like funny little quote, but it's (laughs) going to obviously be on PS5 and it'll I think you I think you're right. It'll find a way on PC. But I think Mara like let's go back a little bit to like RPG maker and fighter maker and all those old PS one and PS two era dash maker games that were on PC, but they were really started on PS one and PS two. Yeah. You needed like a Dextra or a Gex drive. They were called, I think to share those games. So you would like put it on this like proprietary thing and then put it on game facts and hope to God someone found your role playing game or whatever that you spent all this time making. And now they just need to be better about export tools to allow people to just have their stuff available. And I think it goes against the grain a little bit with what I say about the the network being flooded with games, which it is. But if you can get something good or great on there, then it's going to be better than half the shit that's released on PSN every week anyway. So there's no real reason to not allow people to do that. And I would be really excited to see that. And that would make me believe in the viability of Dreams because I believe that Dreams is good or great. I believe that people enjoy it. I believe cool things are being made on it. I do not understand what the point of it is. And that will give it actual purpose for me.
4: Yeah, no, that no, makes perfect sense.
3: And by the way, Chris, I, I said it earlier when Chris was talking, so I didn't mean to interrupt him. But his video on Dreams is really funny. I was I was laughing watching you watch some of these games. The the Dragon Ball Z one and the family guy <laughs> one of the of him. Walk, it was it was pretty, a lot. There was
4: pretty funny. Ones. There's yeah. a lot of uh, there's a lot of brilliant shit <laughs> on there. I still haven't played the one that Media Molecule made like the, the one that they launched the game with. I think it's like Art's Dream. Which is supposedly really good. I'm sure. I hope so. I mean, I hope
3: (laughs) I hope hope it is good. But the thing about dreams, too, is that it probably I mean, you really couldn't do this because of how much money they put into it, but it would it would have been better to make it free or really cheap. Yeah, it's 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 still cheap. Forty bucks is not bad, but I don't know. Yeah, maybe that would encourage like more garbage and then you'd have to have more moderation and stuff. But there you go. We talked about dreams. Okay, so leave me alone. (laughs) I don't want to hear about it anymore. Unless something good happens on it, then we'll talk about it again. Now, Chris, I've been playing and I beat Vanquish. I mean, it's only like a five or six hour game, so that's not a huge surprise. Yeah. I just want to reiterate, Vanquish is fucking phenomenal. Just absolutely phenomenal. Just I can't believe I forgot that they do leave it open in the ending for a sequel. And I did forget about that because I hadn't played it since 2010. But it's so good. I mean, it's totally worth $25, even though it's short because it's It's just an absolute masterclass in gameplay. It's fucking phenomenal. And I'm telling you guys out there, you got to play Vanquish. I told you this last week, I'll say it again. Play Vanquish. It's so phenomenal. It really, really is. It's so fun and so weird and so good.
4: Yeah, so I go would check echo that out.
3: And uh, remember that you can buy it alongside Bayonetta on PS4 for $40 total. So it's $20 each or you can buy them separately. I bought it separately because I'm never going to play Bayonetta. So
4: have you even i
3: even i have a limit have you played bayonetta (laughs) Uh, i did a little bit around the time it came out on ps3 i had a a debug build at igm but no i've not played it since i'm not really into the i mean i don't want to say always but like the devil may cry type right the style flashy stylish combat yeah let's put it that way it just didn't speak to me at all i mean vanquish is kind of stylish It is, but it's a shooter and that's different to me. All right. that's Then then, as opposed to melee stuff, because, yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. I mean, that's a good point. Vanquish is very stylish, but I like shooters that are a little different than your your more button mashy combat or combo based combat. For sure. So uh, Bayonetta now, obviously a big Nintendo franchise, but it started as a or an agnostic game from Platinum Games. We'll talk a little bit more about Platinum later on in the news because there is something to say about them. We've been talking about them a lot lately. The other game that I've been playing is Gombare Super Strikers on Vita. This was uh, is this just come out or. Yeah, it just came out last week. Yeah, it's a Vita PS4 game cross by. I got a code for it, actually. It's so I didn't pay for it. I should be honest. But I, mean, I think it's $9.99 for the game might even be cheaper than that. And this is the game where it's a soccer game, but it's a strategy, like a turn based strategy game. And I got to say, it's not great, but. There's a really cool idea here that if it was just better executed, I think would be something pretty special. I like playing it. I'm a little confused how it works. Still, it's like what I always said about civilization, where I just didn't even really understand what I was doing for like 100 hours when I was playing civilization. I was just <laughs> right. playing it. It's the same thing with this. It's cool. Like. You kind of just take turns back and forth. You move your players around, you pass, you, you tackle, you shoot and you have like experience points and you if you use too many of your skill points then your characters get tired and. It's just all dice rolls, basically. And so it's a pretty interesting game. If you're looking for something, I don't know that I'd recommend it on PS4, but if you're looking for something interesting to play in bed on Vita, Gampare Super Strikers might be up your alley. Definitely look up a video for it. There are trailers out there, but I dig it. I'd like to see it all the way through. It's not one of it should be an easy platinum, but it's not one of those games that just gives it to you. And I was watching. I don't know why the fuck I'm doing this, by the way, but I've been watching these long form debates on YouTube about creationism. And like <laughs> and and new earth creation and like intelligent design and all this shit. And so I've just been like sitting there playing that and I've been playing my Switch too, because I've been playing Cuphead a little bit. Right. And and just listening to these insane debates about <laughs> dinosaurs walking walking with man and
4: Oh my god. Stuff.
3: There's always something weird going on in my bedroom. <laughs> I'll tell you right now. That's just awesome. One way or the other. Brendan Scott wrote into us and said, hey, Colin and Chris, in light of hearing Colin putting 97 hours into Dragon Quest 11, I have decided to go for the platinum. This is, however, my first Dragon Quest game. Colin, can you give me any advice for getting this platinum? Or is this just one that I should maybe think twice about getting? Thanks for being the best part of the week. I don't know, uh, Brendan. I mean, if you're not in the traditional turn based role playing games, I would just go run away from this yeah. game. Not because it's bad, but because it's just not worth your time at all. If you're in, I mean, if this is your first Dragon Quest game, Maybe you Maybe want to go back and play one of the older, shorter Dragon Quest games and see if, if you like those. Go like Dragon Quest 4, Dragon Quest 5, Dragon Quest 6 are all on DS. You can play those uh, just as an example. Seven and eight and nine are pretty much just as long on PS1, PS2 and DS. But I don't know, man. I mean, if you're into that sort of thing, have at it. But I don't recommend it just because it's I don't think it's time well spent. I think you could spend your time in a better way, even within the genre. But it's a good, you know, I, I thought it was a cute game. It was fun, but I don't know. Do you want to have your, uh, I mean, I play games for a living and this dominated my life for a month. So I'm just putting, I'm trying to put that into context for you. Yeah. More like five weeks, really. It's
4: too, it's so too much. Like, it's, it's too demanding
3: of, of your time. Yeah, I agree. There's just too many other, I mean, that Chris, that was what was so good about playing Vanquish was when it was over. I'm like, holy shit, the game's over. <laughs> you know, I, could, I couldn't, I was almost disappointed. I mean, that's a better feeling. When the game is like, you're like, oh, I could have used a little bit more Vanquish and I played it on hard and I played it. No death. I did a no death run, which is yeah. easy. You just manipulate it a little bit. And there are challenges and stuff that you can do in the game as well. But it was nice to have like a after Dragon Quest 11 to have like a game that you couldn't even tr- you couldn't even take 10 hours with Vanquish if you tried to take 10 hours with Vanquish. So just something to keep in mind out there for all you dorks and nerds, etc.
1: Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.
3: Chris, let's get into the news. Yes. and We were just talking about Platinum Games, so we'll begin there. Number one, there has been a lot of talk about famed Japanese developer Platinum Games as of late. What with its intent on going out alone without a publisher moving forward, having been seeded with investment money from China to do just that. Now we have more information about the future of Platinum, including the reveal of its all new game, the first it will publish on its own. It's called Project GG. And while it's unclear exactly what the game is, it appears to be an action game about some sort of alien or a monster invasion. It's being directed by Hideki Kamiya and produced by Atsushi Inaba, and its release date and target platforms are unknown, though it's safe to assume it'll find its way to PlayStation Kamiya, of course, was the director of Resident Evil 2, Devil May Cry, Beautiful Joe, and Okami at Capcom. I wrote Konami here, but that's not true. Before directing and or supervising the wonderful 101, Bayonetta 2, and Astral Chain at Platinum. Inaba was the producer of the old Samurai Showdown fighting series at SNK. Before working on the Resident Evil, Devil May Cry, Phoenix Wright, Hold It! Beautiful Joe and Okami series at Capcom in various production roles. At Platinum, he produced Mad World, Vanquish, Anarchy Reigns, Metal Gear Solid, Revengeance, The Wonderful 101, Bayonetta 2, Star Fox Zero, and Star Fox Guard. Word of Project GG comes on the back of more information from Platinum about its self-publishing and expansion, which includes operating a studio in Tokyo. The studio's headquarters has been and remains in Osaka, Japan. So lots of expansion, lots of new games. Did you see the trailer
4: uh, for this particular game? No I didn't see the trailer for this one.
3: It looks pretty cool. I recommend people go check it out. It's on their website. I'm sure it's on YouTube too. oh yeah. it's uh just it it I don't know exactly what to make of it. It's supposed to be the third game, and I think what they're calling like the the Kamiya like superhero, whatever trilogy. I think it starts with like the wonderful one oh one and whatever. I don't know if they're like super interconnected, but it's the same theme, perhaps, right. and people that are more intimately knowledgeable with Japanese media than I am are pointing out the specific references that this trailer makes that kind of identifies it. Like a lot of people are calling it like Pacific Rim almost. Oh, cool. but I guess there is a. Like an Eastern analog of that, that makes a little bit more sense within the context. Right. Of the game. So it's called Project GG. I don't know. I doubt that that's what the final game will be called, but it yeah. will
4: probably be something GG will be the. I mean, Platinum just makes good shit, generally speaking.
3: Yeah, I think so. I think that they were in a little bit of a lull. Because they were doing some of those weird, they were doing some of the weird, like, licensed IP, and then the Star Fox games were not very good. Star Fox Zero was yeah. bad. I mean, I, I played it. I, I was like, this is, Now I'm not a huge Star Fox fan. But uh, hold on a second. I'm just looking at Platinums. I want to just make sure i mean, sure Astral Chain, right. Astral
4: Chain came out recently, and that was like a pretty big, that sold pretty well for what it was, it did. especially.
3: Yeah. Another Switch game, I think published, co-published maybe by Nintendo. So that's going to stay there. I'm looking at so Mad World. uh, We all know that was their first game, but they had a real, really long relationship with Sega because they did that game Infinite Space on DS and then they did Bayonetta and Vanquish and Anarchy Reigns. Anarchy Reigns was uh, was awesome. It was it was called Max Anarchy in Japan. That was actually a game I imported because I wanted to play it so bad. And then (laughs) uh, Metal Gear Revengeance they did with Konami and then they were with Nintendo. So they started doing the wonderful 101, which comes out, by the way, in May on PS4 Then they did Bayonetta 2 as well on Wii U. And then they did that run of weird games. So they did The Legend of Korra and Transformers Devastation.
4: Oh, yeah. That was weird. Those were
3: games with Activision. And people didn't really like those games very much. I think Transformers was like, okay. And then they did Star Fox Zero and Star Fox Guard, which people didn't like. Then they did Mutants in Manhattan, the TMNT game with Activision again, which I think people also didn't really like. Then... Then they did Near Automata, Astral Chain. You know, then they got Bayonetta three, Grand Blue Fantasy, all that stuff in the works. They did cancel Scalebound, which I think will come back at some point. Mm-hmm. And um, so we'll see what we'll see what happens. Oh, and Babylon's Fall, of course, which is a Square Enix published game. So they're doing all sorts of things, but it looks like they're trying to get away from um, working with others using their ten cent Chinese money.
2: <laughs>
3: and so uh, we wish them the very best. So yeah, they they definitely had a peak in a valley. And then another peak. So hopefully they're now on the upward trend. Still a little confused why they had to kickstart the wonderful 101. That was a little bit weird to me. Like you couldn't just, you needed to kickstart that?
4: Yeah, it's a little weird. I guess they had to, because it's a Wii U game and the Wii U was just such a weird machine that had two screens. I guess they had to go in and sort of put development time into it. Like and with the Wonderful One Hundred One, obviously it sold on the Wii U, so like it couldn't have sold that much. So like my guess is like oh, they were probably just using it to gauge like interest in, in not in like a Shenmue way. It didn't feel it didn't feel quite as weird as that, right? To right. me, but uh, yeah, it was it was, it was definitely kind of a weird mood. I feel like they could probably could have just announced that they were porting it and yeah. There's no doubt that they needed to do work on
3: it. Yeah. But yeah, that was my point. Is like you could have just probably funded this yourself, don't you think? But
4: nonetheless, uh, it did really well. I think it, I think the Kickstarter might still. That really shocked the hell out of me because I really just didn't expect that game to. I, I, I don't even remember it. Oh, I remember it. I really yeah. don't.
3: Twenty nine thousand people supported the Wonderful One Hundred One. Three days to go. One point nine million dollars raised. So not too shabby. Yeah, I remember just because it's super weird. It, it's a super weird Kamiya game. It looks like Beautiful Joe in a lot of ways, which I loved. So,
4: yeah, I think the Wii U in general just sort of fades from my memory the longer I go without seeing it. I mean, it was trash. Yeah. Don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I <laughs> would not say that
3: about I wouldn't say that about very many pieces of hardware like that. It's absolute. abject. Yeah, it's like the trash. virtual the virtual boy. And yeah, exactly. The Wii U. It's a, <laughs> But I've said, it, I think, in the past that I remember being in KB Toys in like the mid 90s when you were but a wee lad and seeing like a pyramid like of virtual boys being sold for like 20 bucks a piece. And I also remember this for Atari Jaguar. And uh, you just kind of wish that you as a kid had like any foresight to be like, I'm going to buy every one of these. I'm going to take literally every boxed Atari Jaguar in this place for $20 a piece and just sit on them forever. And then some nerds will come and buy them later on so they can play Doom on, uh, or whatever fucking random games they released on uh, the Jaguar. So I wish I had a Virtual Boy because it's it's so weird. I don't know if you ever played one, but it's really weird. It's a really weird machine.
4: Yeah, no, I never I never even saw it in person. It's uh, it's strange. It's like a VR headset on a tripod. <laughs> yeah, it's really it was, it was weird. Like, an, like it was like an eye exam thing. Like you had to like, exa- yeah, like exa- yeah, it's exactly <laughs> what it, it was going <laughs> to blow out, air in your eyes and freak you out. How long, they started doing that recently, I feel like, and it freaked me the fuck out when they first started doing that, when they started puffing that air into your eyes. Oh, yeah. I thought it was the exact, I thought
3: that was the old, like, glaucoma test, and then they don't do that anymore at some places. So maybe no. you went to a different, because uh, that, that, that's a non-starter for me. I'm like, no way. Yeah. It's horrifying. They're like, keep your eye open, and, they're, and you're like spreading your eye apart, and then they
4: blast it. With, like, it reminds <laughs> me a lot of the dead space thing with the eye. Yeah. Yeah. I just can't. No, I, I don't, I
3: don't like that either. Nope. Number two, Sony has revealed March 2020's new PlayStation Plus offerings, free games for active PS Plus users to download at their convenience. Remember, as always, to add these games to your download list, even if you don't intend on playing them now, because you may want to later. First up is Shadow of the Colossus on PlayStation 4. The Blue Point Games created remake exclusively for PS4 that was released in early 2018. The original Shadow of the Colossus was created by famed developer Team Eco and launched on PS2 in 2005. This month's other free game is Sonic Forces, a Sonic Team-developed platformer launched in late 2017. Both games will be available to download for free for PS Plus subscribers until April
4: 6th. So you have uh, those to look forward to. Shadow of the Colossus, big deal. It's a yeah. big one. Yeah, I love that game. You should, if you have not played that game, you really, you really should. At least give it a shot because it's it's so unique. Still, to this day, I feel like I've not played anything quite like it i still haven't finished the the remake like i'm on the last colossus in the remake i should just go in and just finish that get it off my plate
3: i only played shadow of the colossus on ps2 for like an hour or two and i remember not liking the control scheme did Mm -hmm. they do you know if they if they fixed it because i remember the control
4: scheme being really weird i even even
3: by that era's standard it was weird
4: it was definitely weird it was um they definitely have different options now i think you can make it play more traditionally because I think Triangle is Jump, and uh, I think Circle is... is ro- I think X is, like, Guard or something. I, I don't really know. It it did have a weird control scheme, but I remember, for whatever reason, when I played it, it made sense. And here's how I know, like, that game is good. Because that's a PS2 game that I played in 2013, and I fucking still loved it. Wow. So, I don't know, man. It, it's It's unique. It's definitely not everybody's cup of tea, but... It's free this month, so yeah, can't hurt. You might as well just download it and give it a shot. And if you like it, that's uh, that's awesome. Can't hurt. Maybe a little bit of a
3: telegraph here too, with being a Blue Point game. I still can. I still have conjecture that Sony's going to buy Blue Point eventually. So it'd be a smart buy. Yeah, maybe you can read between uh, the lines. I was going to say read between the leaves, but that's a mixed metaphor. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Did you play this Sonic Forces game? I assume that they're doing this. Sega's doing this to promote the movie.
4: Uh, that's in theaters now Yeah, probably I, No, I, I <laughs> uh, The last Sonic game I played I think was like Sonic and Knuckles In like the early 2000s Wow, that's an oldie It's yeah. an oldie but a goodie Oh, no, the that's, last not, Sonic... true. that's oh, not true That's not I played yeah, Sonic, Sonic 06 The, the, the classic oh. uh, the classic bad one The worst one Right That's the one with the song, right? In it? That everyone makes, makes fun no, of No, no, that, that was Sonic Adventure On the Dreamcast? Oh, was it? I don't even remember that because I played Sonic Adventure. Oh, interesting. OK,
3: because there was that there was that haunted video going around that we had on Twitter a few weeks ago of those cosplayers singing it.
4: Yeah, no, that was from Sonic Adventure. That's when the oh, truck okay. is the truck is barreling down San Francisco and it's like running <laughs> around at the speed of sound. It's horrible. Uh, that Awful. video is haunting. Just absolutely haunting. Yeah, It really is. It's like a live leak video. Yeah, it's no
3: good. First of all, they're in a the bathroom singing it. Like, someone's just probably trying to take a shit. There's a real
4: threatening aura in that video, and I can't quite put my finger on it. You're absolutely right.
3: Yeah, they're they're all staring at the camera, walking out of bathroom stalls. I don't like any, like, literally anything about that video. There's not (laughs) a single thing about it that I like. But, uh, yeah, the last Sonic game I played was Sonic Heroes, which was on Xbox, GameCube, and PS2, I think. I don't know which one I played it on. I wrote the strategy guide for it. It was horrible. All right. No surprise there. Number three, GDC or Game Developers Conference has been postponed Due to, peer, uh, due to fears rather, I'm sorry, of the coronavirus and a slate of major publishers and developers that have been dropping out of the conference by the day in the lead up to the announcement. While GDC events happen around the world, GDC's primary event is each spring in the Bay Area of Northern California and was first founded way back in 1988. In a statement on the official GDC website, a statement reads in part, quote, After close consultation with our partners in the game development industry and community around the world, we've made the difficult decision to postpone the Game Developers Conference this March, Having spent the past year preparing for the show with our advisory board, speakers, exhibitors, and event partners, we're genuinely upset and disappointed not to be able to host you all at this time. And quote, word is the event will now take place this summer, though GDC hasn't made any official announcement as of yet. They are offering refunds for people with passes, uh, waiving of fees on hotel rooms, booked through them, and other things that will help alleviate the blow, which is really nice because I don't think they have to do any of that. Yeah, GDC is an important annual convention of developers where knowledge is shared, connections are made and more. And its postponement comes on the back of word that the trade show E3, set to occur in June in L.A., as always, is continuing plan uh, continuing planning unabated in the face of coronavirus, though it's unclear if it will change depending on the situation on the ground as we get closer to the date. Bug butter, ugh, wrote in, said coronavirus is here. Multiple gaming industry-related events are shut down one after another. How long till we grow our beards out and start hoarding the tahini and coconut milk? Political fear-mongering or justified caution, who will win? This is a good question, Chris.
4: First of all, I, I don't like this bug butter thing. Oh, yeah. What's yeah. going on? <laughs> it's, it's concerning. Stop trying to make me eat bugs. Yeah. Please. You know what? I have a feeling this is all a big conspiracy. I feel like Big Bug is really, is really getting their money in. <laughs> Definitely. Can, I trying don't trying what, to convince you know, us all to eat bugs.
3: You know what? Do whatever you want, but don't bring that shit to the United States, because I can't have bug butter in the supermarket.
4: There's a lot of corrupting influence it. in this country. and It's Big Pharma and Big Bug. Big bug. Oh, no doubt about it. Two evil entities indeed.
3: <laughs> now, Chris, do you think that this is, you know, bug butter here? I, I just I can't say I can't stand it saying it even. But he says political fear mongering or justified caution. I think it's a little bit of both, actually. And yeah, I don't know exactly how to measure both of these things. But how do you feel about GDC being postponed? What do you, how do you feel
4: about E3 maybe going on or not? What do, what do you think? What are you thinking right now? I feel like that's wild. I feel has a GDC ever been like canceled for a reason like this
3: no definitely not for a reason like this i don't think one's ever been canceled i can only find specific dates for gdc going back to 2001 so it's unclear what happened to it in the 90s but at least in the last 20 years one has never been canceled
4: yeah so it's it is pretty wild and and relatively unprecedented that this is happening I, i i don't know how i feel about it i i I selfishly want E3 to continue because I just—it's like one of the things that I look forward to every year. But I don't know, man. I—if it—if—if if GDC is shutting down, then surely there's got to be there's got to be some merit to how bad this thing is because people don't just throw away money like that unless it's for a pretty a pretty good reason.
3: Yeah, I think that my theory on this—I side, I haven't read too much about it, but. I didn't think GDC could have even afford because it's at Moscone Center in downtown San Francisco, which is pretty big. And GDC is not like a huge uh, organization. So my assumption is maybe they have some sort of insurance policy on this where this kicked in with their insurer being like, well. Look what happened, you know, this is this is underwritten in our insurance policy, and so maybe they're able to pay it back that way and pay for Moscone that way, because it just seems way too late in the game to be canceling your event space and eating that money. And you would think that it would kill that company or that organization yeah. by doing that. But I do think it's pretty cool. They did say a few things. People at GDC have been really mean to me that work there. So I, I'm But so you, you definitely know that I'm saying this with all candor. I think it's pretty cool that they're offering these refunds and they're doing some stuff where some of the scheduled events and conferences and whatever or, you know, uh, talks, panels are going to be just recorded and put onto their website for free, which is nice because that's what's really important about GDC, GDC is really actually quite relevant to the development community. It's how publishers and developers meet each other and people are hired and they're interviewed. And it's a pretty consequential show. I think people have often thought it nothing really important happened there for the end user. And that's true. But a lot of stuff happens that's really important for the development community. So it's really I mean, I saw people like freaking out that it was being canceled because they need a publisher for their game or they're looking for connections and contacts and jobs and it's not going to happen. So It's too bad, but I think they're doing the right thing.
4: Yeah, it it is a it is pretty wild. GDC is weird because it's like that's one of those things that's like I used to watch a lot of GDC panels, just like people going like, oh, the art of the art of whatever, or like the design philosophy of this, and it's actually like all super super interesting stuff. A lot more, a lot more, more of a deep cut than you get at E three because E three is really just more about being excited about stuff. But uh, yeah, it really does suck for people who are like really betting on GDC to nail a nail a partnership down or maybe strike some kind of deal.
3: So, yeah, I'm hoping you're right. And I'm hoping that they're able to have this run this summer. Uh, per the question that was asked by Bug Butter, I think there's a little fear mongering involved in this a lot, a little bit of political gainsmanship yeah. Here in the United States, especially like with the presidential election happening and all of this, people are trying to score points on each other. But and it's true, like the the common flu like kills fucking tons of people. So. You don't really hear very much about that. And I think that that's a relevant factor. But I think and the other side of the coin, though, is that I do think it's good to be trepidatious and careful because people are like, oh, well, like the rodeo happened, you know, the other day. And I'm like, yeah, but GDC is like one of those things that brings people from all around the world. And air travel is just inherently kind of dirty and not everyone has the same standard of air travel, let's say, like, I don't want to say cleanliness, but whatever the case might be, like if you're coming from country X, it might not have the same standard as country Y or country Z and things just kind of float through. So then one person that kind of got through from one of these countries that doesn't have as good of a boundary on this kind of thing infects a bunch of other people and so on. And then that could be a lawsuit on your hands. It could kill people. So I think it's good to be cautious. But I do think that there's a lot of politics mixed up in this as well. And we will see. I mean, even look at the, the market and the market's starting to rebound now, but which is predictable, but it was really killing the market as well. So this coronavirus is ruining everyone's lives. Yeah. Simon C wrote in and he talked about E3, which we brought up. He says, hey, gentlemen, with more people pulling out of GDC, could you see a situation where this year's E3 could be canceled or most companies pulling out? How would Microsoft plan v- plans versus Sony's on next gen announcements be affected? Cheers and stay frosty. I think it's entirely possible. I mean, I I put it at a 50-50 chance right now that E3 gets canceled, depending on how I think this all plays out. I mean, that's just complete conjecture. But again, and I said this last week when we were talking about all these shows, we're talking about PAX East, which went off without a hitch, but was definitely ill populated compared to usual years. Video gaming conventions are just inherently more dirty because people are putting their hands on everything and then other people are putting their hands on the same thing and they got VR headsets on, which is near your eyes, which is how people get sick and infected and putting the, it's just it's not the same as like going to a convention for doctors or something where people are just shaking hands and sitting at tables and talking and listening to panels. It's just a totally different beast. And so I, I think that there's a good I think there's a good chance that E3 gets canceled and we'll, and we'll see what happens if E now, if E3 gets canceled, I think that that's the end of E3 because I don't think the ESA could even survive that. Yeah, uh, E three is half their revenue, so
4: that's exactly why I think they probably won't. You could be right. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be it'll be wild if that happens. Although I do, I would say that with GDC not happening now, E three is kind of a little bit more important because there are people probably going to be there, probably trying to strike deals with whoever they can there because it's the only other thing happening.
3: Yeah, that's true. E three's got a different complexion this year too, where. It's much less of a trade show now, so more people are going to have access to it. And yeah, a lot of people go to E3 and just stay at the hotels. The Figueroa is the famous one, but some other ones around there that just go there just to meet people that don't even go to the show. They're just there because other people are there. So, yeah, the, the nexus of people will probably reconnect in in L.A., but I don't know. I mean, if that it's I don't know, I don't want to say too much because I'm not I'm not a virologist or anything like that, but it seems like maybe coronavirus is it, it's not contained. It's still spreading. People are still getting sick, but maybe We've seen the worst of it, but maybe not. I don't know. We'll find
4: out. Who knows?
3: Number four, famous Japanese game developer Kazuhisa Hashimoto has passed away. He was 61 years old. Hashimoto left Konami a little under 20 years ago, where he was a programmer, designer, and producer who worked on famous arcade games like Gradius and worked on other beloved Konami games like The Goonies on NES and The Legend of the Mystical Ninja. However, it was his creation of the famous Konami code up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, B.A. Start which installed him permanently in the halls of gaming history. He first created this code, which often gave a player 99 lives and spanned a ton of Konami games and non-Konami games alike, while he was porting Gradius to Famicom, which he found too hard. So he threw this code in the game so that he could actually play. <laughs> so this is an interesting one. Obviously, the Konami code became most famous with Contra, but it still exists. I mean, even Google puts it on their website. On some websites, have it as a Easter egg. Uh, I was pretty sad to see this. I actually wasn't familiar with this guy's name, Kasuhisa Hashimoto, but the Konami code is one of the most famous industry-spanning phenomena of, uh, any, of any time since the 70s when the gaming industry began. Yeah. And I couldn't... He was 61 years old, pretty young guy. I, I can't... Uh, or I couldn't find... I'm sure it's in Japanese... are uh, in Japanese sources, but couldn't find what he died from. 61 suggests that it was maybe cancer or something like that. I don't know. But um, too young to be dying. But uh, nonetheless, R.I.P. Kazuhisa Hashimoto of Konami code fame. Always sad to see yeah. that kind of stuff happen. And Konami did, uh, by the way, put out a really nice, surprisingly nice tweet about it. And on other social media as well, with a, an image of the code and his name and all that. And some <laughs> nice words.
4: Imagine they didn't. You imagine they were. Just <laughs>
3: just yeah, I could imagine complete it. Assholes could imagine. about it. Yeah. By the way, speaking of Konami, did you see the, uh, the rumors people think that Kojima is working on a silent hill game? Because I did of, see that. Yeah. I don't know if I buy it. No, me neither. It, it, it does seem intentional that he does things like this, like because it says pyramid on the pencil and whatever the case might be. But I, they hate each other. I, I just couldn't imagine a situation where Kojima and Konami are in bed together again. But hey, weirder things have happened. Uh, yeah. But there's no love lost there, man. I mean. The only thing I can think of is that the longtime Kojima executive producer left Kojima recently. And maybe that had something to do with this game if they were going to work with Konami and there was some beef, but I don't think so. Kojima could do whatever he wants, so I he go work for Konami.
4: Yeah, no, exactly.
3: Number five, website segment next has discovered a Sony filed patent for DualShock 5 that may suggest that the PlayStation 5's controller will be wirelessly charged. The basic gist is that a small clip will affix itself to the DualShock 5 to charge it without having a wire affixed to it. Though it's important to note that the clip will then go into a separate charging base that will charge the clip before it's used again. In other words, it seems like a simple way to keep the wire clutter to a minimum. And as always, such a patent doesn't indicate that Sony intends on manufacturing or selling the device at all. That said, it's entirely possible this is part of DualShock 5's base functionality. We are learning more about DualShock 5 over the last few weeks with the various, like, the sweat uh, yeah, readers on the, the, on the handle. Hand. Or on the uh, Yeah, it's like all sorts of weird shit. So who knows what these patents mean. We'll find out soon enough. And hey, I should note and I'll have put it at the top of the show if it happens. There are some rumors that PlayStation 5's reveal event is going to be announced this week. That's too important to leave out of the show for long. So you'll hear this by the time it's already added to the show. But I'm cognizant that I might have to add a little bit of a pickup to that because there are some rumors that 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 is happening. John Meehan wrote into us. Chris, he says, hey, boys, I know you all have been talking about the PS5 ad nauseum, but what are your thoughts about the news coming out about the DualShock 5? Specifically, button mapping along with heart and sweat rate monitors. Button ma- mapping is an obvious feature, but what do you think about this biofeedback component? I think it could be cool in a horror game that can incorporate heart rate and the ability for an enemy to find you. Chris, your new video ruined my day. Keep up the <laughs> great work, please. <boys>.
4: Uh,
3: <laughs> now, Chris, I keep returning to the same thing where... I just don't think people want you to reinvent the wheel with controllers. It's very rare that something is added to a controller that stays there. And we saw this with motion controls and all of the rest. So do you I just I don't know. I'm just not into this whole biofeedback thing. It's like I don't want the controller to know how sweaty my hand is. That's weird. It is.
4: It is a little uncomfortable. I think it's a bit too invasive. And I also just don't think it's necessary. Um, it also probably would jack up the prices of that fucking controller because y- the Joy Cons are so stupidly expensive because it's got a camera in it and all this o- all this other shit. And it's like I just I just want to I just want a controller that feels good when I play a video game. I guess there are some benefits to it. I-, I-, I guess you could have a thing where it's like a horror game kind of tracks your fear and sort of like chooses to scare you when it's like most effective. It's like that's that's that stuff's kind of cool, but I feel like that stuff should be peripherals for people who choose to want to have that elevated experience like that kind of thing I think makes sense that it would be a luxury you know what I mean definitely at least in the realm of video games which are obviously a luxury by them like I mean by default but right but but a somewhat affordable luxury compared to many others yeah, yeah yeah so like but you know the second you the second you have like a heart rate monitor in your in your controller and, and you're putting a camera in there so you can take pictures of you when you scream like it like it's a <laughs> like it's a like it's like one of the hidden cameras on a roller coaster or like a log flume. Like, I don't I, I don't know. I, I just don't need any of this. And I think especially this thing with the this this thing that this new patent with the the wireless charging thing is extra baffling to me because it's just you've just added an extra middleman to charging a controller. Like, I I don't see the benefit in this at all. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense because it's not like some sort of like alien technology
3: that. You know, like Tesla used to talk about, like charging, you know, electricity over the air,
4: yeah, and it, stuff it, like that. It'd be one thing if, like, if you wanted to be like, we're, we want to make a console. You know how like some wireless charging things are, just like plates where you just put your phone on it and it charges your phone. Yeah, that's if cool. you made if you wanted to make a console that was like, hey, you know what? Uh, the top of the console is just a big charging base, and you could just put your fucking controller on 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 top of your console and it'll charge it. That would be cool. Yeah,
2: I, I that's would neat. Un, I would
4: understand. The reasoning behind that even if it would seem a bit excessive but like this is just like oh, i have to charge my controller but i couldn't charge i have to charge my controller but i didn't charge my controller charger like what yeah that's a good point
3: yeah it's, it seems like a, a psvr like problem where there's just too much shit now involved so you know I, what i was thinking well let me read this question here from tony colton he says hey cnc with all the new tech in the dualshock 5 how much do you guys think it's going to cost Currently, a new DualShock 4 costs around 60 euro. That's fake European money, Chris. Don't know what that is in your Monopoly (laughs) money. Hey, fuck you, buddy. So I reckon we could be looking at close to 100 euro. P.S. Good luck with the launch of Twin Breaker, you handsome game dev bastards. Thank you, Tony. And thank you for bringing up your fake European money. Now, I don't know. Like, I have this vision of a controller, like a DualShock controller, with like USB... C or whatever they call those ports underneath, like at the bottom of the handles. Yeah, it would be cool if you could put various connections onto it that way, like the sleeves that are the biofeedback sleeves or the clip or whatever the case might be in some way that allows you to have a more modular console. That way the cost isn't out of control because you brought it up earlier. A controller with all of the shit on it, I mean, it's too much. If anything, they should be trying to bring the cost of the controller down. Now, I know that that's probably not going to happen, but like controllers were never this expensive until the 21st century. I mean, I'm I'm not saying that the NES controller did the same stuff, but it wasn't like that outrageous to go get a second controller for your NES or SNES or N64 even compared to the way you need to really it's like a game. It's like it's sacrificing like the cost of a game or more to get one of these controllers. That sucks. Yeah. So I think less is more in this case. I really, really do. But uh, I have a great fear about the Dual Shock Five. We'll find out soon enough, I guess. Yeah. When we see the actual console, whenever that is. And by the way, people are getting really impatient and about the PS Five now. And I'm like, I'm good. I'm, I'm perfectly I happy.
4: Understand. I, I I would I was gonna I was gonna make fun, but then I realized that I'm also just like genuinely impatient about other things that I've been waiting a long time for. So yeah, you you can you can feel as impatient as you need. I do think it's a little you're running it a little, a little late here, but I do think a lot of it is due to, honestly, the coronavirus. Like, I mean, I if, so. if, if this thing is just gonna plunge the stock market down, like, 11 points or something, like, wasn't it something, like, insane?
3: Yeah, it lost, yeah, it lost, like, 15, 11 or 15, like, 10 or 15% of its value. That is, yeah.
4: that is crazy. Like, that is a crazy jump that is not, that doesn't happen for no reason. So, like, it would stand to reason that a big company like Sony, who's, like, planning on manufacturing something in Ch- in China... Uh, might be affected by this. China. China. And I I don't know, man, they might they might not have a clue if they're even going to be able to put this thing out this year. Like that's totally possible.
3: Yeah, I'm feeling like that's a relevant possibility, too. I don't I don't know because there's so many connecting parts with Foxconn and with Chinese manufacturing. And we were talking about the competition before coronavirus even became a thing, the competition for parts keeping prices down. I wouldn't necessarily be that surprised if they punted to next year, but I don't know what that would do for the excitement of the machine. But I'm looking at the let's just look at the Dow. Yeah, so the Dow Jones is at at the time of recording, this is up one thousand two hundred and ninety four points or five percent, but it was down. Let's see, like the last month. Yeah, I mean, it, it dipped like well below twenty five thousand, but it's it's recovering now. But year to date, mm. uh, negative 6.4 so not great now very fickle the market is
2: Get started at angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today. Number six,
3: the Supermassive Games developed Dark Pictures Anthology will indeed be continuing this summer right on schedule. You'll recall that the Dark Pictures Anthology was promised to be an annualized or near annualized release of smaller horror themed choice based games in the mold of Supermassive's hit PS4 exclusive from 2015 until dawn, except these would be multi-platform and published by D- Bandai Namco. The first one was called Man of Medan, and it sold quite well, Man of Medan, of course, and it sold quite well upon its launch in late August of 2019, though it received a mediocre critical reception. We knew that the second game in the Dark Pictures Anthology would be called Little Hope, but now we know a bit more about it. Website Push Square relays the following synopsis, quote, trapped and isolated in the abandoned town of Little Hope, four college students and their professor must escape the nightmarish visions that relentlessly pursue them through an impenetrable fog as they journey through the town looking for a means of escape, they must understand the meaning of these events, the root of the evil. I said roof in there, the write up and how it's directly connected to them and quote like Man of Madon, Little Hope will receive a summer release on PS4 and elsewhere and is likely to cost $39.99 as opposed to being a full price game. I saw on Wikipedia that they're planning eight of these. That seems a little ambitious. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's a, that is a lot. I mean, that's the next decade of your company's existence. I don't know if you want to do that. But nonetheless, uh, we just got asked about this like a week or two ago on the show, so I wanted to read that out. So, yeah. yeah, this summer, Little Hope, the second Dark Pictures anthology game. I still have to play Man of Madonna. I'd like to do that at some point. Number seven, while some publishers and developers will undoubtedly go all in on next gen hardware sooner rather than later, Japanese publisher slash developer Square Enix won't be one of them, at least if a QA in their recent financial statement is any indication. Financial statement Q&As are usually generated from questions asked by actual investors, and in one question, an investor asked about how Square Enix will deal with development of next-gen games, to which they said, quote, The next generation of consoles will have backwards compatibility, so we plan for the time being to make our new titles available for both current and next-gen consoles. It will therefore be somewhat further down the road that we will release titles exclusively for the next-gen consoles, end quote. This approach seems somewhat in line with what Microsoft has already said about its first-party plans with Xbox Series X, which will get cross-platform support, pardon me, with Xbox One for at least 18 months from the launch of the new console. Sony, on the other hand, has only vaguely talked about this in regards to its first-party PS5 support, though it has unequivocally said that there will be games that can be played on PS5 only from launch. Uh, What do you think of this, Chris? I mean, we were just talking about the, the, the possible delay of the console, so... This actually seems like a pretty clever thing. If you're looking at, you don't want to put all your eggs into a basket. if yeah. You don't even know if the console is going to come out now. Although I don't know if you can even pull back from that. But this seems
4: actually kind of clever to me. What do you think? Yeah. No. I think it makes. Uh, I think it makes a decent amount of sense. You don't want, especially in, in just the, the the way things are right now. You don't want to. You don't want to force people's hands. I feel like people are a lot less willing to part with their money now than they used to be, and I think you you want to be in people's good graces. You want to be like, hey, you know what? Yeah, we're going to we're going to support you for a little bit. Uh, You don't got to you don't got to jump ship immediately. Just because we say you do. Right, exactly. So I'll be there day one, but
3: it'll be nice for there to be a robust offering for last gen players moving forward. I don't know how they're going to get people to move over if that is the case, but that's their problem, not mine. Backwards compatibility causes these problems. It's a good thing, but also a bad thing. So I guess we'll find out more soon. Yeah. Number eight. PS4 is getting a new firmware update in the form of 7.50, and according to website Push Square, invites are currently being sent out for beta. Beta. Uh, I just said invites for beta invites to test it out. That doesn't make any sense. However, it's nothing to get too excited about. Firmware 7.50 contains, quote, no major consumer-facing features, end quote, says Push Square, though that could, of course, change with its final release. It instead focuses on so-called quality of life and performance fixes, some mild stuff in anticipation of PlayStation 5, which will no doubt have a bevy of features PS4 wouldn't or couldn't have, so that's happening. Probably how nice. I think 8.0 will probably be the last major PS4 firmware.
4: Yeah, but we'll find that out soon enough. I think. Number, um, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, before in case anybody is w- listening to this who works in any capacity on PSN in as far as features go, I don't know why the hell I can't place i can't have a headphone plugged into my controller without making all the audio completely erase from my tv it is frustrating because i tried to stream destiny with like uh sweeney the other day my roommate and we were trying to get it to work where it's like the stream the capture card won't pick up any audio that's coming through the headphones i i, I know you you know this because we did the yeah, it's, we tried it's to a shit it's really yeah. irritating and i i didn't even realize how frustrating it was but it's like dude man that is a basic feature that like really should really should exist. And there really is no excuse for it not existing.
3: You have to assume it's like a hardware problem, right? That it's just built into the controller where they just can't fix it
4: with yeah, I a mean, patch I, or something like that. I guess it's it's just such a it's such a weird problem because it just doesn't exist with any other platform. I guess the, I guess. the it, Well, I guess the switch doesn't have headsets, but like I mean, like the the Xbox, any any Xbox I've ever used doesn't have this problem where you can have it. Hey, you know you have the option to place the audio like through your headphones and your TV or just one or the other, but like with with PlayStation it's either or and it's like it makes like streaming stuff frustrating. I know that I know that streaming is a very minor like not many people stream, but like it's something that I definitely notice and it's it's definitely something that factors into my decision on what platform I'm going to get multiplayer games on. I'm not a huge section of the audience of like, you know, the the 90% of people buying your game who stream or anything, but like, I don't know, I I think it's, I think it's a a criticism that needs to be voiced in some capacity. I don't know.
3: No, I think that it's interesting, too, because I think this is one of the separations where many people might not stream games, but you should make it as easy as possible because streaming and streamers are so important to taste making on your console that you obviously want to retain those people and be able to have a viable way for them to play their games because it's just so important to the bottom line, even if there are not that many people by volume. So hopefully they're looking at the right metrics when they look at how to fix those things, not necessarily how many people are streaming, but in the way in which they're able to stream. So, yeah, we will see. I'm sure that won't be a problem on PS5 or maybe it will be. I don't know why I would expect them to change anything. Yeah, let's 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 hope not. Number nine PlayStation 4 console exclusive second party game Predator Hunting Grounds is getting a free trial weekend towards the end of March for all PS4 players though the full game remains on track for release on April 24th. From March 27th through March 29th, PS Plus subscribers can download the trial free of charge and try out the promising asymmetric game for themselves. The game, which is heavily inspired by the original 1987 Predator film, is apparently being well-received in playtests and demos so far and is being developed by Ilphonic, the team behind another well-received asymmetric game from 2017 based on the Friday the 13th license. The final game is also slated, to come to PC, and are you looking forward to this one? I know you like your asymmetric, uh, yeah, uh, video you know, games. I, I'm
4: not big on Predator necessarily as an IP, but uh, I'm always down to try some some asymmetric multiplayer, especially if you know these guys are the ones that are probably the best at it right now. I don't think that's necessarily all that controversial to say, especially because Splinter Cell is nowhere to be seen in this in this new ecosystem that we found ourselves Indeed. in. I'll definitely try this free trial out. I, I wasn't necessarily planning on jumping into the game at launch, necessarily. I, I'm not like stoked on it, but I'll definitely give this a shot. Cool. Well, again, everyone can do so
3: for free and see if they like it. March 27th through March 29th, as long as you have PS Plus, which I know most of you do. Number 10, the Uncharted movie has gained a few new actors, one of them a notable name, according to website Variety. The website's report notes that Antonio Banderas has joined the cast. In addition to Sophia Ali and Tati Tati Gabriel, Tati Gabriel. Banderas is a world famous actor known for his roles in Interview with the Vampire, Evita, the Shrek and Zorro movies and more. Sophia Ali is best known for her role on Grey's Anatomy, having joined the cast in 2017. Tati Gabriel, I guess that's how you say it, most notable role is in the ongoing CW series The 100 and also in the Netflix series Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. How do you think about those? Do you know any of these people? I I mean, obviously we know Antonio Banderas. I don't know the other two personally. I looked them up, but I don't I don't know their work.
4: Yeah, like I, I don't know them off the top of my head.
3: I assume one of them will be playing Elena. Maybe the other one will be playing Chloe.
4: Maybe something like that. We'll see. Well, it's a younger Nathan Drake. So do you think even Elena's even in it at all? Oh, that's
3: true. It is that. Yeah, I guess they can't be in it because they meet in the first in Drake's fortune. So that's a good point. So, yeah, I guess there'll be someone else entirely. There you go. Good point. Chris wrote in, not Chris Reagan, but another Chris said, hello, gentlemen, Colin. You often talk about how games shouldn't be made into movies and stand on their own merits. Do you feel the same about books being made into films or any other media adaptations? We wouldn't have some of the great movies of today if books were not adapted to film. Thanks for the podcast and keep on keeping on. I don't really have a problem with that because I feel like it's kind of a little more symmetrical than encompassing a hundred hour video game into like a two hour movie or something like that, or even a 20 hour video game. But yeah, I can get caught in the weeds here. I'm sure I have a lot of contradictions and hypocrisy in this regard. Yeah, Yeah, there are plenty. There are plenty of movies from books I love, but. Yeah, I just would rather see people just make their own things and keep these things kind of segmented out. But I understand that that's not, a, I guess, not very much a popular stance that I have here. So.
4: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I just think I just think video games work better as TV shows. If, if if you're going to do an adaptation at all, because I personally think just video games are better at a lot of things in general. So like the idea of kind of I look at film as like kind of like regressing almost. You know what I mean? Like when you take a game franchise and you're like, oh, I want to tell the story, but like in a way that's not interactive or personal, just feels like what? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. <laughs> it's, just it's just weird. This is a weird move to me and it feels like going backwards. But like, hey, man, if people want to watch Tom Holland cr- crack wise while swinging around on a, on a vine, you know, it's, it's up to you. Yeah, I don't, I'm just, I just don't care. I just don't care about it. Can't get into it. What but. if they have Nolan North voice Tom Holland? <laughs> <laughs>
3: that would be so awesome. Then I would watch it. Then I would totally go see it just for the just for the oddity of that, of course. All right. Let's do a wrap up number 11 website. Komatsu reports that adventure game Hazel Sky is coming to PS4 later in 2020. That arcade racer Hotshot Racing is coming to PS4 this spring. That Harmonix developed DJ game Fuser. I put fuster there, but that's not what it's called. Fuser is coming to PS4 this fall. That golfing game Golf With Your Friends is coming to PS4 later in 2020. That super-challenging platformer Jump King is coming to PS4 later in 2020. That Japanese shoot-'em-ups Ginja uh, Force, or Ginja Force, and Natsuki Chronicles are both coming to Western PS4s later in 2020. That horror game Those Who Remain is coming to PS4 on May 15th. And that roguelike game Dungeon of the Endless is coming to PS4 this spring. The official PlayStation blog reports that fantasy-themed Battle Royale Spellbreak will be entering closed beta on PS4, which will be underway by the time you hear this podcast. And that turn-based strategy game, 1971 Project Helios, is coming to PS4 at some point this spring. Website Push Square reports that astounding-looking old-school action game Cyber Shadow is coming to PS4 this fall. That game looks fucking phenomenal. You guys should go check that out. Uh, let's see. That puzzle game ever forward is coming to PS4 this May. That FPS Insurgency Sandstorm is coming to PS4 on August 25th. And that violent action game Disc Room is coming to PS4 sometime later in 2020. That game also looks awesome. Website VentureBeat reports that platformer Lost Woods Beyond the Page, which was initially slated to come to PS4 in 2020, will now come out in 2021, as Google has bought one year exclusivity for the game on Stadia. And finally, Borderlands 3 is getting a second campaign add-on on March 26th called Guns, Love, and Tentacles, the marriage of Wainwright and Hammerlock. It will be part of the game's season pass or it can be purchased separately. The Real Deli wrote into us and said, Hi, CNC. Just a simple question here. Where the hell is Ninja Gaiden? I know everyone panned on three because they took the gore out of it, but it was still a generally good game. I feel like with the rise of all these samurai and ninja type games, the series is ripe for a comeback. What is Team Ninja doing? Well, Team Ninja is working on Neo, silly goose. So
4: oh, man. that's where they are. Yeah, I... I have far, I have far too many where the hell is blank in, in my own repertoire. So just got to deal with it like the rest of us.
3: Yeah, exactly. And I also feel Chris, like ninja uh, ninjas are all almost becoming like the new zombies. Yeah. They used to be really awesome. Like in the eighties, especially and nineties, even ninja ninjas were great, but now I'm like, I don't feel that they're that interesting anymore. And I, I'm, uh, that's a lot for me to say cause I love me some ninjas, but yeah. That cyber ninja game though does look just phenomenal, just absolutely <laughs> phenomenal.
4: It really does. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I uh, it, it would be cool to see another Ninja Gaiden, but I, I just, I just have so many things that I'd rather see. I want to see my boy. I want to see Sam Fisher back. I want to see my my Splinter Cell before I see a Ninja Gaiden, because I feel like there's a specific. Because like where the, while there's a surplus of ninjas, <laughs> there's a there's a specific deficit in stealth based like spy shit hmm. you know like that's not really a, like i remember back in the day with like spy hunter and fucking you know golden eye like spies used to be the shit and now it's just like there's just nothing it's true It's there is a deficit a dearth
3: we might say <laughs> of the uh, of the spy game but yeah I, I honestly think team ninja did a lot of damage to ninja gaiden by making it an xbox exclusive for so many years and then getting those games ported later on to ps3 and even to vita So I think they kind of killed the game's momentum. Now, people, those were some of Xbox's best games, no doubt. But I don't know. I feel like that kind of hurt them a little bit. I'm a big Ninja Gaiden fan in the 2D. I would love to see one of those games released again. But that's definitely not going to happen. Yeah. All right, Chris, let's read the new game releases. There aren't too many of them. As tradition dictates, you will go first.
4: Uh, All righty. 60 Seconds comes to PS4. 60 Seconds is a dark comedy atomic adventure of scavenge and survival. Yeah, that's what did says. I read that correctly? Yeah. That's fucking with did. me. Collect supplies and rescue your family before the nuke hits. <laughs> Stay alive in your fallout shelter. Make difficult decisions. Ration food and hunt mutant cockroaches. Oh, how great. And maybe survive or not. Rad roaches.
3: Yep. All right. Amoeba battle. Microscopic RTS action comes to PS4. That's that's, that's awesome. That, this premise. Yeah, it sounds like a cool. It's actually a cool name. Reminds me a little bit of Metal Gear Solid amoeba battle is a new breed of real-time strategy game where you control versatile amoebas in the battle for the microscopic world unlike other rts games there are no bases to build new amoebas are created through the miracle of binary fission that is a miracle that is a miracle
4: indeed espionage action all right breeder homegrown director's cut comes to ps4 and ps vita Uh, breeder homegrown is a short horror game about a family dealing with a strange creature over several generations. You will encounter some puzzles, but the game relies mostly on atmosphere, music, and dialogues. In this, <laughs> in this director's cut version, dialogues have been streamlined. Some issues have been fi- <laughs> Some issues have been fixed. And if you look close enough, you might find some new little surprises. Just some of the issues.
3: Not all of yeah, them. Not most of them. Dogfighter WW2 comes to PS4. New Sky Battle Royale has arrived. Real dogfighting battle royale based on World War II. Be part of the Grand Sky Battle with warplanes such as Mustang, Spitfire, Messerschmitt, Zero Sen. Customize the way you want with 40 people. You are the ruler of the sky. Now, I have to say, I was a little disturbed by the art for this game because it was a dog flying in the plane, like an a anthropomorphic
4: furry oh, dog. Oh, I see. Yeah. So we're getting more and of why those. Didn't
3: they, why didn't they, they... didn't. Mustang, Spitfire, Messerschmitt, and the Zero, these are all proper nouns. Could capitalize them a little bit, but that's
4: okay. Yeah. Grand Blue Fantasy versus comes to PS4. Take the fight to new heights on the PS4. Legendary fighting game studio Arc System Works and Side Games team up to bring the Grand Blue Fantasy universe to the home console in action-packed head-to-head fighter. Grand Blue Fantasy versus features a colorful cast of their most popular crewmates, each with a unique fighting style that is easy to learn but hard to master. Cool. Yeah. Grand Blue is making a a big, big
3: play recently with some of these games. So we'll see if that becomes relevant outside the weebosphere. Whole Frame comes to PS4. Whole Frame is a third person hero shooter with different characters to choose from. Play with your teammates and defeat the opposing team through matches full of dynamic elements. Join your teammates to gain control of Whole Frame, the most valuable and coveted energetic resource
4: in the entire universe. Ooh. Pathologic 2 comes to PS4. Pathologic 2 is a narrative-driven dramatic thriller about fighting a deadly outbreak in a secluded rural town. You are a healer, and to save anyone, you'll have to survive in this bleak and strange world where even food and medicine are scarce. All right. Separation comes to PSVR. Separation is a first-person adventure
3: at its most ambient and atmospheric. A meditation on solitude, loss, and the spiritual path. Separation is a unique journey to a place of epic desolation, <laughs> featuring a sublime electronic soundtrack by Vic vector lovers. Separation is the ultimate chill out trip.
4: Syrup and the ultimate sweet comes to PS4 and PS Vita. Syrup finds finds a candy golem in her basement. God, that's so horrifying. Could the two become friends and finally complete the ultimate sweet in a magical town? There lives a candy alchemist, Syrup who one day discovers a candy golem in her basement. OK, they just they yeah. just said. <laughs> where did she come from? Who could have made her go find out? God almighty. You just, it was like they just forgot that they rewrote it. They just rewrote one after the other. I thought I was having a stroke
3: for a second. Nope, nope. you certainly aren't. Under night in birth. EXE late comes to PS4. <laughs> Rule the night. Control a deeper, darker fighting experience than ever before. Battle with 21 unique characters, including the all-new Landryka, with his original moves, story, stage, and music. Master devastating new combos and dazzling special attacks in online arcade story and training modes. Wow, two fighting games in the same week. Nothing uh, too interesting in there. Pretty short week. Good time to get caught up with oh, your sorry. backlog, perhaps. I was like, literally, I was yawning when you said... <laughs> it's fine. It's very tiresome. Yeah. All right, Chris, tradition dictates we end every episode of Sacred Symbols with six questions, comments, concerns, thoughts and ideas from the Patreon audience. Remember, support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Collins Last Stand for early ad free access, access to Sacred Symbols Plus, And of course. The ability to submit these questions, just like Gustavo Ochoa did. It says, hey, CNC can play focus testing games, both cripple and benefit working titles. We all know of the EA Fuse incident, and there are now rumors going around that Call of Duty's upcoming Battle Royale is undergoing significant changes after a negative playtest with influencers. Why can't devs stick to their guns? Do these changes from playtests not jeopardize the identity and DNA of the title itself? Looking forward to your responses. This is a good question. I don't really know the answer to it. Have you been reading at all about this upcoming Battle Royale? Ch- yeah. I didn't actually see this.
4: Yeah, I uh, have. I, I missed this too. Um... I don't know man like this is one of those things where it's like I, I do think focus testing completely fucks things up but play testing is is super necessary like that's like literally how you make sure your game functions so I, I, don't, I don't think it's necessarily right to f- to loop those two into the same thing they're, they're not really equivalent focus testing is about appeal and you know what demographic would like this and like uh, do, does your average Joe the plumber want to play this like it's it's I don't know it just feels like um, there are two different things. And I think we should talk about them as if they're different things.
3: I agree. And it fuse, which was first called over. What was Overstrike, it? Overstrike, uh, which is the Insomniac developed game from, I don't know, seven years ago or so, eight years ago. That is a famous example of focus testing hell. And I actually was the one who broke a lot of that story back in the day. And it's funny because that game didn't change its its core mechanics or anything like that. What changed about that game was the way it looked. And and the name. And that was a bad idea. And they ruined it. They fucked that game up. And so it it focus testing can definitely bring developers onto the wrong path, for sure. But I agree with Chris. Like, having influencers with, like, knowledge and audiences and stuff, like, play your game and tell you what's wrong with it is actually probably not a bad idea because, at least from a business standpoint, because Activision is really going to rely on these kinds of players to propagate this game. Not that they're really going to need a lot of help, but... The rumors about the Battle Royale mode is that it's going to be free to play. So if that's the case, and they're really going to be competing with the likes of PUBG and the likes of Apex Legends and whatnot. So you're definitely going to want to have it just right. And so I don't think it's really bad to playtest your games and to make changes based on like if I went into Capcom and played if they made like an 8-bit Mega Man 12 and I gave them feedback about it, like they should probably listen to me about that because I really know about that those games. And so I feel the same way about these influencers. As long as they're having influencers, obviously, that are in the sphere of Battle Royale or Call of Duty, then it makes a lot of sense to make your edits appropriately and accordingly. So don't stress too much. Chris is right. These are two different things. Yeah. Rob Armour wrote in and said, hey, Colin and Chris, new Patreon supporter here and thought I would submit my first question. Welcome, Rob Armour. What is going on with the marketing for this new Batman game from WB Montreal? The game has been teased for six months and counting, and yet there is still next to no concrete information about the game. Is this a wise strategy from a studio who is not even considered to be the premier Batman game developer? Surely it is time to shit or get off the pot. I'm with you, Rob, but here's the thing. I think that this game is going to be revealed at the PlayStation event for PS5. And I think that it might have been, they might be kicking the can down the road because it was supposed to happen already. That's my, that's long been my theory about that game. Yeah. So I don't know. What do you think, Chris? Are you, you, I mean, because it is time to shit or get off the pot. I don't know. I don't know why you would keep teasing it, but they haven't teased it in a while. What do you think?
4: Yeah, no, I think it's definitely, I think they probably expected uh, an announcement video by now, and I think they probably expected, uh, you know, not a plague. <laughs> right. Not a world-ending pandemic. Yeah, course. so like, I, I don't know, man, I think a lot of people's marketing strategies are a little uh, are a little thrown off by the impending doom of our society and and, uh, mm. and species. Indeed. It's fine, and everything will be just fine. Yeah. Maybe. Just, just wash your
3: hands, honestly. Maybe it'll be fine. Maybe it won't. I don't know. Just wash your hands. Do wash your hands. You should definitely wash your hands, no matter what. I do agree with you there. All right, Chris. The next one is an interesting question. We were going to talk about we well, we talked about Xbox Series X a little bit at the top, so we'll talk about it a little more in depth now. Mm-hmm. Matt Woo, Woo Woo Kenny Woo, <laughs> are you a Mighty Ducks fan? You <laughs> no, know, the, the...
4: I know what the Mighty Ducks is, but I've, I've never oh, okay. really watched
3: it. There's a character in the second one called Kenny Woo, and he <laughs> scores a goal, and the announcer. Says woo woo Kenny woo, and that's just always been my association with the last name Woo at this point. So Matt, Matt Woo,
4: <laughs> genuine insanity.
3: Uh, no, it's <laughs> I can't even begin to tell you how insane all of my ducks is. I love that series though. So Matt Woo says, "Hey CNC, Xbox's smart delivery system seems to be all the rage right now. But how do game devs benefit from it? If you factor in the manpower, time, QA, etc., it doesn't sound like a cheap business decision." Also, developers are missing out on a chance to double dip and sell newer upscale versions of their game on the next gen consoles. Does consumer goodwill outweigh potential sales? Love the show. All right. So in the announcement on the 24th of February about Xbox One or Xbox Series X, rather, where they were talking a lot about the the beefiness of the console and what it can do, they mentioned a thing called smart delivery. So here's what it says on their website. It says, This technology empowers you to buy a game once and know that whether you are playing it on Xbox One or Xbox Series X you are getting the right version of that game on whether, whatever Xbox you're playing on. We're making the commitment to use smart delivery on all exclusive Xbox Game Studio titles, including Halo Infinite, ensuring you only have to purchase a title once in order to play the best available version for whatever Xbox console they choose to play on. This technology is available for all developers and publishers, and they can choose to use it for titles that will be released on... that, that will. There's actually a spelling error right here. That will be released on Xbox One first and come to the Xbox Series X later. So that's what it says on their website. Yeah. Now I don't know how you feel about this, Chris. You're much more into the Xbox ecosystem than me. This sounds like a whole lot of nothing. Like it just sounds like really interesting marketing speak. It's backwards compatibility and forwards compatibility, and the and it's just going to know when you buy a game on Xbox One that you already own it, and so you don't have to buy it again. I just this is the kind of like dumb marketing shit that I just can't get behind. But what do you? Am I right? What do you
4: think? It's just a it's just a name for something that exists already. That like you just you just described it in a way that's uh, that's a little bit like you said, it's backwards compatibility and forwards compatibility and the and the easier way to the condensed way to say that is smart delivery. It just knows what it just knows what system it's on. It knows the hardware that it's running on, just like a PC. Like when you launch a game on PC, it will automatically tailor settings to what your machine can handle. and like you can go in there and like fuck with the settings if you want because it's like the the whole appeal of PC. But you know this is something that the Xbox one x already does. This is something that the PS4 Pro does also to a lesser extent. I, it it does already exist. I'm not, I don't really feel one way or the other about it because I just expected this to be the case. There's no reason why if you buy The Last of Us on PS4, if you support The Last of Us on PS4 when it comes out, why should you have to buy it again? On the next generation console, when you know that all the previous games are going to be forwards compatible, like it just makes no sense. I, I think, like the question here, uh, like is it a ch- is our developers missing out on a chance to double dip? Yeah, and uh, good because double dipping sucks. Yeah, <laughs> it's frustrating. It's why wi- it's literally, honestly, it's probably how this virus is spreading. <laughs> honestly, all this friggin' double dipping, all you double dip enthusiasts out there, just double dipping your chips. You dip, you dip, and then you dipped again. (laughs) You dipped,
3: you took a bite, and then
4: you dipped again.
3: Dip once and end it, whatever he says.
4: (laughs) Always a Seinfeld reference somewhere in there. It's just so classic. But yeah, man, I don't know, man. I I, I just don't, I don't see that as a negative of like, oh, developers can't sell you the same game twice. It's like, okay, good. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't see
3: it as a bad thing either, because he does say, does consumer goodwill outweigh potential sales? Yes, because without consumer Goodwill, you're not going to have potential sales anyway. The The days of reselling your games are over. And I think that that's exciting. And that's why I think it's so important to some people to have full backwards compatibility going as far back as possible on PlayStation, because Xbox has four generations of games now available on what are, are going to have four generations of games available on one console, which is huge. So I, I do think That it does matter. I do think that we're moving on. This does change the economics of games from a a certain point of view. But the biggest frustration for me, Chris, is just not having access to all the games I want to play on a console and to charge me again for The Last of Us just on PS5. It's just not going to happen. They're not going to be able to do it. It's not a matter of if they want to do it or not. They're just literally not going to be able to do that because because then people are going to be like, well, you you have a backwards compatible console. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah,
4: they also showed Spider-Man running on PS5 or, like, PS5 hardware and, like, cutting down drastically on load times and, like, upping render distance and, like, possibly frame rate. I don't know if they actually went that far at, that far in, but, like, if you show me that these games work on better hardware and they work better, if you sell me the same game again, that just means you chose not to do that. You just, That means you just chose not to allow that for your game and you're intentionally just trying to milk me which is just that just it is not going to come across well like that is that's just bad practice it was bad practice then when they did it but like at the very least you could say okay well the ps3 isn't you know forwards compatible or like or or the ps4 isn't like backwards compatible with ps3 so it's like it's a whole new thing so there was some leeway for it and you know oh it's a, it's a stronger console i guess but like this next generation is going to be stronger in everything that isn't necessarily just graphical like it, it's it's going to be something that when you play a PS5 game, you're going to know that a slightly less polished, slightly more rough version of that game could run on a PS4. You just know that that's going to be the case. Because we've Definitely. seen it. Times are different now. It's good. It's yeah. a good thing. So
3: I'm, I'm yeah, a fan Interesting of it. question. But but I agree with you. Yeah. All right. Three more. Bart Jacasa wrote in and said, hey, CNC, if the XFL lasts more than one season this time, is it possible we could see an XFL game? Thanks and take care. Well, I re- I looked into this part and yeah, I, there's been rumors for almost a year that 2K sports is maybe going to make an XFL game and it's probably contingent on what you're saying, which is if, if the XFL is going to survive long enough for there to be a game justified, because as people know, 20 years ago when the XFL first premiered, it only lasted one season and then it went away. The XFL, of course, was the extreme football league. I don't know if it still stands for that, if they're just a calling it the XFL now, but it's the Vince McMahon owned football league that is just started up again last month or a month and a half ago or so. Yeah. So, yeah. So the rumor is that some of these sports video game websites that that one is in is at least being negotiated. And I wouldn't be super surprised if that was the case. I think it's really an important part of the success of the league and the WWE games are so huge, even though they fucked the last one up by changing developers, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they got in the bed with their publishing partner at 2K and made it happen. So we don't have any information on that, but I think it's a good question and I wanted to answer it. Kyle Tisdell wrote in and said, hey folks, so it seems Rockstar is back at it with their cryptic teases by way of the strange logo on their website. What do you guys make of it? Also, what do each of you hope is what they're teasing versus what you think it really is? I hope it's Bully 2 and I think it could be. It's just too soon after Red Dead 2 for them to be ready for GTA 6. Thanks and Tuesday. Thank you, Kyle. Appreciate you. Did you see this tease? I did. On
4: Rockstar's website? What do you think it is? I I don't know what it is, but I know what I want it to be. I think it would be remarkably ballsy for Rockstar to pull out, put out a bully game. I think that would be so fucking just outrageously like big dick energy to just be like, hey, we're going to put out this game. We're going to put out a game where you can live out your fantasy of bullying, people, bullying children. Like, I love it. I love that premise. That game is so ridiculous.
3: Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it could be. Yeah, like it's for people that haven't seen it. It's like a robot with like really a cryptic champagne bottle kind of like holding the Rockstar logo. Now, some of the rumors of the Grand Theft Auto of Grant, what well, Grand Theft Auto six is supposed to be, apparently maybe indicates that it takes place in the 70s in which case this is kind of like a 70s looking robot and maybe it is that i don't don't know i i don't really i think it's impossible to say i don't think it's bully it's definitely not obviously anything red dead related my kind of hope would be and i would love to see them do something new it would be kind of cool for them to make a new game so yeah instead of just going back to grand theft auto over and over again i know that people have expectations but no matter what they sell they're going to sell a shit ton of copies of it so it would be cool for them to explore something new, but maybe it is GTA 6. I don't I don't know. Um, out of all the IP that they could revisit, I would love for them to revisit Manhunt the most, although that would be even more controversial than them revisiting Bully, I think. So I don't yeah. think that's going to happen.
4: But we'll see, Kyle. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really just strange that they would even bother with this because like I, the, the, the prevailing assumption has been that there's no real reason. For Rockstar to make any single-player games now because GTA 6 or, or, or GTA 5 is just such a cash cow and even Red Dead 2, Red Dead Online is is so, is so also pretty big. So, like, I, I don't know what the incentive is. Maybe that's also just funding for their next single-player game, although, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what the incentive is to make... The thing is, I don't understand the incentive to make another Grand Theft Auto or to make another Red Dead, but... With this online ecosystem model, I do kind of understand the incentive to making another bully. That's the thing. Is that the only game, that's the only game that they have that could work in that kind of environment and that also hasn't yet.
3: What makes you think that it is bully or could be bully?
4: It's not even necessarily that anything makes me think. Like nothing about the logo, the logo doesn't look like anything to me, honestly. Like I it, it makes completely no sense to me at all. But I just think if they're going down this road of like, hey, you know, we had Grand Theft Auto Four. Here's Grand Theft Auto si- He or, Here's Grand Theft Auto Five. It's uh, it's a shared world online kind of ecosystem. Hey, here's Red Dead Redemption. Oh, Red Dead Redemption Two. Here's a, a a cowboy online Western simulator. Bully is the only other open world game that they have that they haven't done this with, and I think it's also one that hasn't really been seen in a really really long time, and one that I think they would be that people would be pretty excited to see. So I just think, I don't know, like if if I was plotting out what we wanted to do, I would either, like you said, do something completely new and completely unexpected, like, uh, I don't know, like a freaking shooter or something. I don't know, something crazy. Or, I would maybe follow what we've been doing and just taking our IP and making them kind of worlds that people can stay in and fuck around in ad nauseum and make boatloads of money. Well, we'll see.
3: We'll find out. Maybe not soon, but we'll find out at some point.
4: Yeah, we'll find out in the next 10 years.
3: Yeah, they can take their time and they should. Matt Lamoureux has the last question. He says, Greetings, East Coast Colin and West Coast Chris. Last week and in prior episodes, too, you both mentioned your growing backlog of games you'll get to someday, in quotes. And yet in the same episodes, you both admit you're replaying games like Vanquish and Uncharted. I don't understand the value of playing something again when you have so many new games to experience. Life is short So I say move forward, not backward. What say you? I don't know. I got to play what I want to play. There are some games that when they reappear and reemerge, I want to play them again. And Vanquish was just one of those games. And I think Uncharted is for I don't want to speak for Chris, but those games are really replayable. So I don't blame you for wanting to play those. But how do you feel about this, Chris, balancing the the growing backlog to playing games that are already available and that we've played before. What, what do you think about all that? Do you? Even yeah, care?
4: I, I think it's just hedonism, man. I just, I just, I just go with what I, I just want to play. And a lot of times there will be games that I know are good that I'm just not ready to get into yet that I'll eventually play. But like when vanquish comes out, you know, I'm going to play vanquish because vanquish is, is amazing and it's also underrated and not very well known. So like, that's just another reason for me to be like playing and like get passionate about it again and be like, Hey, friend slash roommate slash parent or slash whatever should play vanquish it's great yeah (laughs) because like i'm not gonna like a year ago i'm not gonna be telling anybody to play vanquish because i'm just i'm not thinking about it because it's 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 just so long ago
3: yeah i I, i'm totally with you and i i just think that you gotta i think chris is right just play what you want to play at the time it is hard to manage our backlogs but i long ago accepted as i've said many times in the past that i can only manage so much and so i'm not going to worry too seriously about yeah. being able to get to everything. I'd rather just play what I want to play and, and mix things up a little bit and that's just the way it's always going to be.
4: As as, far as, no, just as as far as Uncharted goes, I only finished Uncharted 2. Like I played a, a decent amount of Uncharted 1, didn't like it because the shooting was like really weird And uh, back in the day. I like it a lot more now. I think because they actually fixed it. But, uh, so I only played a little bit of Uncharted 1 and a little bit of Uncharted 3 and I finished Uncharted 2. So I'm actually not necessarily replaying a game as so far as I'm actually going through the backlog of things that I just haven't really finished. Like, I know the endings of those games. Like, I've, I've, I've seen them. But, uh, it's, it's a different thing to play it.
3: Well, I'm with you. Play what you want. That's what you should do. Play whatever it is that you want. Yeah. At all times. All right, Chris, that's all we have for this episode 88 of Sacred Symbols, PlayStation podcast. We appreciate... Everyone's love, kindness, and support out there. Remember, uh, Twin Breaker comes out on PS4 and Vita on March 24th, and the pre-orders at PlayAsia are going to be going on by the time this hits free feeds for the physical versions. If you want to grab those, please do. We thank you for that as well. And uh, that's it. That's basically all I have. Do you have anything else to say, Chris? No, I think I think I'm I think I'm set. All right, perfect. All right, we'll see you guys next time for more. Until then, be good. Goodbye. Take care, guys. Sacred Symbols, a PlayStation podcast, is a product of and a registered trademark of Colin's Last Stand LLC and is recorded from Richmond, Virginia and Burbank, California, USA. The show is conceived by, is written by, and is produced by me, Colin Moriarty. My co host is Chris Raygun. You can find me on Twitter at No Taxation and on Instagram at CLS Moriarty. Chris is on Twitter at Chris and on Instagram at Chris Sacred Symbols is edited by Dustin Furman. To message the show online, please use Patreon's DM service. As you know, all of Colin's Last Stand shows, including Sacred Symbols, are fan-funded on Patreon at patreon.com/colinslaststand. The following names are at the producer level or higher on Patreon, and we are eternally grateful for your kindness, generosity, and fandom. Chris Adams, Carlos Algarit, Morgan Ashley, Saul Balcazar, Taylor Barkley, Martin Beck, Tyler Bellow, Mark Boggio, Barrett Boswell, Spencer Brand, Lennon Brixie, Josh Bushing, Austin Bullock, Dylan Burns, Chris Buston, Alex Cabrera, Patrick Harper, William O'Carroll, Brian Chan, Sean Chandler, David Chestnut, Rodney Coleman, Simon Conception, Brad Cooley, John Cordero, Gio Corsi, Philip Crone, Daniel Diamore, Colin Davenport, Knight Draft, David Ellis, Jerome Ferreira, Joe Finelli, Eric Finkenbeiner, Chris Galvin, Darren Gardner, Connor Gashian, Alex Gates, Michael Gates, Salem Ghanem, Al Tyler Goodwin, Josh Gravelick, Miranda Grubba, Jonathan H., Eric Harden, Tyler Harris, Richard Hebert III, Kyle Hagel, Wyatt Henry, Robbie Hensley, Scott Hernandez, Blake Israel, Azan, Isa al Josh Yeager, Joshua Johnson, Paul Joyce, Greg Julifs, Anton K., Patrick Kelly, Jeremy Key, Antti Kinnanen, James Kinslow III, Ryan R. Kittredge, Bo Klan, Mike Nafo, Mason Cadillac, Jackson Lastiqua, Don Q. Lee, Patrick Leslie, Keith A. Lewis, Chad Lewis, Lou and Ray Loper, Colin Love, Scott Lovelace, Josh M., Kiat Mai, Ryan T. Mandel, Ross Maranka, Matt Martin, Sean Mason, John McCarthy, Josh McKinney, Joe McPartland, Raul Melendez, Chris Moore, Betty Ann Moriarty, Ryan Murdoch, Steven Nieder, Adam Nix, Donnie Nolan, Dan Nolan, George A. Nunez, Jesse Owen, Jorge Palomino, Andrew Parker, Zach Parsley, Daniel Parsons, Todd Paxton, Marius S. Peterson, Gerald Pennington, Matthew Perdue, Enrique Perez, Jason Pettit, Travis Plymouth, Jeff Pollard, Lawrence F. Prokop, Nathan R., Ryan Reeves, Peter Reynolds, Shane Rayum, Jonathan Rice, Daniel Rivas, Petro Rose, A.G. Rowe, Jose Salinas, John Schultz, Michael Shanholtz, Toby Schutman, Gregory Slavinsky, Joshua Small. Ahmad Tamar, Ben Thompson, Carl Tolman, Alan Trembly, Michael Vecchio, Oakley Waldron, Justin Wagaman, Isaac Wastman, Damon Weathers, Mike Wayne, David Wright, Corey Wyatt, Tony Zaniga, Bloody Fang, Galja, Casual Misfits Gaming, Homeworld Hub, Throw Seven, McDog 18, Infinite, Boots, Organic Produce, Madmock Media, Lockmore, Not Your Real Dad, Mubarak, Richter 86, Hugo's Desk, Of Fortuna, Andrew, Ian, Dav9834, Gamer Filmaholic, Megadeth, and Rainick.
1: You can host the Best Backyard Barbecue.